But if I tell you that it didn't affect my future relationships, that would be horseshit. You know, it had to because I could not connect deep enough. Maybe I couldn't trust another person to be intimate physically and intimate emotionally. Welcome to the Secret Life Podcast. Tell me your secret. I'll tell you mine. This episode contains discussions of molestation and trauma. Listener discretion is advised. Sometimes you have to go through the darkness to reach the light. That's what I did. After 12 years of recovery in sex and love addiction, I finally found my soulmate, myself. Please join me in my novel, Secret Life of a Hollywood Sex and Love Addict, a four-time bestseller on Amazon. It's a brutal, honest, raw, gnarly ride, but hilarious at the same time. Check it out now on Amazon. Welcome to Secret Life Podcast. I'm Brianne Davis-Gant. Today, I'm pulling back the curtains of all kinds of human secrets. We'll hear about what people are hiding from themselves or others. You know, those deep, dark secrets we probably want to go to our grave with, or those lighter, funnier secrets that are just plain embarrassing. Really, the how, what, when, where, and why of it all. Today, my guest is Rick. Now, Rick, I have a question for you. Oh, boy. Here we go. Okay. (laughs) Dun, dun, dun. What <laughs> is your secret? Oh, uh, I don't like Oreo cookies. Oh, um, I love them. <laughs> oh, they're so good. I don't like, no, I wish it was as simple as that. Okay, yeah. so you're the only person I'm going to ever tell this to that I'm not protected by HIPAA laws. Oh, um, yeah, <laughs> no, this is a hard one for me. And so... The thing is, I was I was molested when I was a kid. I was molested and I was threatened. And I knew both of the guys that did it to me. And one of them was a friend. And it happened happened when I was about eight or nine years old. And there were two or three occurrences of it. And it was a it was a guy and his older brother. And they were, you know, the younger brother was a, was a friend of mine. And they got me into a situation. And it was horrible and i'm still you know getting weird feelings about the whole thing because you know at nine years old you don't know what to do and this is my friend and this is his brother and our parents are friends you know and you know i was i was an easy target as a kid i was a little scrawny you know weak kid and um and they took advantage of it you know (sighs) now I'm just going to, so you feel not alone. I was also molested. I don't remember anything. I blacked out. I can't, I can only remember, and I've talked about this before. Like I just remember seeing the leaves and I don't remember anything else. Can you remember vividly like the first time or when it occurred? Oh yeah. I, I have a clear picture of each time when it happened. I can remember my feelings. I, you know, it's it's so clear. I have a vision of all of it. And, you know, just, I didn't know the word betrayal then, the betrayal that I was feeling. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, feeling that I had to allow them to do this so that, you know, they'd be my friend or they'd protect me. And then, you know, and then I was threatened by the older brother that if I ever told anyone that, you know, they would, we're going to kill you. You know, that's, that's the phrase when you're a kid, I'm going to kill you, man. And yeah, so but that's I was scary. Afraid of getting killed. 
Yeah. How much older was the older boy? Uh, if I was eight, he was probably about 16. So, you know, he was, he was a young man and, uh, you know, and I was, I was afraid of him, you know, and, and his, the younger kid was a punk was, you know, he was, he was a kid who beat other kids up. So, you know, I was afraid of him too. And I, you know, I wasn't a fighter, but he was my friend. He was one of my closest friends. So it makes me wonder what was going on in their family. Oh, you know? God. Yeah. And their dad was a cop. And so it's oh. like, what was going on in that family for the older brother to get the younger brother involved and to go after another kid? It's like, I, and I didn't think about that part of it until years, years later and after tons of therapy and everything, you know, but it's like, whoa, what was happening in, in, that, in that family, you know? I mean, they say you, it's a learned behavior normally Absolutely. from it's a generational thing that occurs. Oh, yeah. The stuff, I mean, the things that they were doing and, you know, it's like you don't know that when you're eight years old and, you, you know, you're somebody has taught you that stuff. You know, it was weird. It was weird. And the shame I felt, I, I felt like I had done bad, you know. Did you always wonder, like, did I give them the wrong impression, even at eight years old? Like, did I do something? Was this my fault? Did you have those feelings? I, I felt that maybe it was my fault, but I never thought, did I give them any kind of signal or sign? But yeah, I carried the guilt of it, like, like it was my fault and that I was, I almost felt like a perpetrator, you know? Really? Because Why? I felt, because I felt like I had done something so wrong. I had done something so wrong. And so the fear came from the fact that I told one person, you know, and he promised not to say anything, you know, and it was, it was a mutual friend of the younger brother, you know, and, and I told this kid and he would constantly bring it up on the school bus and, and it's like, so tell me about when that thing happened. So, you know, and the other kids sitting three or four rows behind us. And my fear was that it was going to get out, that all the kids would know, and that I would be blamed for it for whatever reason. And then I was also going to get my ass kicked. So let me get this straight. When was this school bus ride? Was this right after it occurred or did, was it a year later? Or It was months later because the, the three events took place in the summertime. Okay. And I don't know. So maybe it was between fourth and fifth grade. Maybe it was between fifth and sixth grade. I don't remember. Uh, but I remember vividly where it occurred and where it happened. And, uh, you know, so it was within within six months. But the kid who I told, I don't think he ever told anybody, but he would bring it up all the time. And so wow. there, there was this constant fear that my secret was going to get out. And, and I really felt like I had done wrong. I felt like I was, you know, the guilty party here, not the victim. It was weird. It, it messed me up bad. Yeah, it was like you were hiding this shame of something happening to you and, and making it your fault right. in your head. Totally. And I was I was hiding their guilt. I was protecting the guys who, you know, who abused me. And that was weird. Now, did you stay friends with them afterwards or did you move or did something? How did you get through this period of, of 
of your life. Because right now I can just feel that kid on the school bus so terrified and, and shameful. Yeah. Um, fortunately, we did move uh, about a year later. And uh, the weird thing was my parents stayed in contact with the parents of those two boys. And they actually came to our house and visited us. Like we moved, we moved across the country. Oh and my that God. Family, they were no. friends with my family. And so, you know, a couple years later, those two boys showed up in my house, you know, after I was, I was free. I was free of the whole thing. I was like, Oh my God, that's behind me. No one ever found out. Thank God. And there they are. And I'm supposed to pretend to be nice to them while keeping their secret. You know, it really messed me up. And, you know, still to this day, I mean, that was, you know, decades and decades ago. And I still have weird feelings about the whole thing. It still freaks me out. Was that the last time you saw them when they came and visited that one time? I think I saw them one other time. Um, I was definitely, I was in my thirties. Um, we went back East. I probably for somebody's funeral or something. I don't know, but I did see those two guys and, you know, I just gave them a funny look because now I was an, I was a grown man and, you know, I could defend myself and they knew they knew. And I knew it when I saw them. Oh man, just the, the, the feelings, that fear, the shame, the guilt, all of it just came right back, you know? And there I was, I was at, at least 32, 33, 33, four, whatever. Um, but it all came back. It was so fresh. And I was like, no, I'm a grown up man. You know, they did wrong. I didn't do wrong. They did wrong. And I'm not going to let the secret out because I didn't want to go through the mess of the whole thing. But it's like, dudes, I'm on to you, man. I am on to you. And, you know, again, it takes me back to what the hell was going on in that man. And I keep thinking of like, I wonder if it was happening to somebody else after you, or does that behavior just stop when it's like younger? I, it's just the whole situation just seems so, ugh, you know, there's oh. like no words for it for me. I couldn't have been the only one. I could not have been the only one. I mean, they, you know, they had a, a standing in our community and, you know, and, their father and my father, they, they were guys who got things done. And, you know, their father was a cop and they were both star. Both these boys were star athletes. I wasn't a great athlete because I had a dad who didn't participate in my <laughs> upbringing. <laughs> oh my God. I, my dad, you know, if my dad was ever going to throw a baseball to me. He would have been throwing it at me, but you know, my dad was just too busy, you know, doing, doing what he did, which was not always really good stuff. And here's, did you ever tell your parents? No, no. My dad was the type of guy that if I went to him with a problem, um, he would call me weak. You know, or if I, if I got in a fight and I came home and I got beat up, he would laugh at me and call me, call me weak. And it's like, well, then teach me how to fight, you know? Um, but he never did. He just, he was not a supportive person. Um, my dad was also an abuser. I was I was physically and verbally abused by my dad. That must have been so hard. Yeah, so I couldn't have gone to my my parents for support. And, you know, they 
they probably would have sided with the family on the other side. It's like, oh, no, Rick, that didn't happen. That couldn't have happened. You know, I don't know. But there, I didn't have much nurturing um, when, I was, when I was growing up. I was very much left to develop on my own. And, you know, and it was good and bad because I got to experience things that a lot of kids never got to do. And I had freedoms that other kids did not have. You know, and it led me down some dark paths. But, you know, fortunately, I saw the light and got through those paths. But no, there was there was not we didn't we didn't have a strong family uh, family bond there in my house. Well, I always liked in these situations to connect the seven deadly sins and not in the religious sense, but more in the character defect. Where do you think holding this secret has affected your life? Um, I'm going to read them to you if you need me to say them again. But there's pride, greed lust, gluttony, envy, anger, and sloth. Ooh. <laughs> anger, and, anger and sloth for sure. Anger and sloth for sure. Um, oh, boy. Yeah, because of the anger I carried uh, against those two guys for so many years, the anger and the fear, I know it ate a hole in me. You know, and I knew nothing about forgiveness back then. I knew nothing about, you know, moving on, accepting a situation. It wasn't until many, many years later that I learned all that stuff. So I, I carried that anger and fear for a long, long time. Do you think it affected your other relationships in your life too? Ah, wow. Um, I honestly can't, I, I don't know. I don't, you know, I, I didn't have conventional relationships in my life, so it could have because, you know, I was, that's like a whole other secret right there. <laughs> yeah, let's let's not go into that one. Um, no, I was I was a bachelor, like hardcore bachelor, until I was um, forty years old. Like I could not commit to a relationship. Now, does it is it connected to that those three events that happened when I was eight years old? I don't know. Is it possible? Yeah, that's for damn sure. Um, I uh, you know I the longest relationship I ever had before I got married was, was, you know, just under two years. And, you know, I never had a girlfriend in high school. It, that does not mean that I did not date, you know, because I was, I was a dater, you know? And so I was kind of a scumbag, but I, you know, I couldn't be in a relationship. Do you think it made you become a scumbag? Cause you know, like I've done some gnarly things in my time and I also know like hurt people hurt people, even if we're unaware of it. But I do also, from my experience in therapy, when something traumatic happens that to you at a young age, it stunts your growth. And I'm just wondering if for you, you know, maybe that's all connected too. It's gotta be. I mean, I'd be, I'd be naive if I said, no, that's no, that's not possible. You know, it's gotta be. You know, I've not gone that that deep in this situation in therapy. You know, it's been discussed time and time again in therapy, but we've never gone super, super deep into it. But if I'm going to tell you that it didn't affect my future relationships, that would be horseshit. You know, it it would. You know, it had to because I was I was just the single guy all the time. I was the single guy who dated girls. 
that's that's all I did. I could not connect deep enough. Maybe it was a lack of trust. Maybe I couldn't trust another person to be intimate physically and intimate emotionally. Yeah. You know, I could do the physical part. No problem. No well, problem. I could usually do one or the other. Like I could do the physical or I can do the emotional. I didn't know how to, with all my trauma, connect the two. Yeah. That was my thing. So that's why. And you also said sloth. Why? I really want to know why you said sloth. Oh, well, because I, re- I remember, you know, in the year after it happened, I really just kind of checked out. And I was so traumatized by those three events that I, um, I didn't participate in a lot of things. I really went inward and I was a very extroverted kid. I was super hyper. I was also really intelligent. And so I would finish all my homework or all my classwork, you know, really fast. And then it gave me time to screw off and entertain people and be a class clown. But after that, that event, those three events, um, I changed and I shut down and I would spend hours in my bedroom. I remember laying on my back sideways on the bed with my legs up on the wall, right? Just staring at the ceiling, staring at my feet and wondering, why did this happen to me? What did I, what did I do wrong that this happened to me? Here's my question for you. And as a mother to a son, when I, I thought I was going to have a daughter, I was always in fear of like that happening to my daughter. Cause a lot of women talk one in three wi- girls are molested or sexually assaulted, wow. but it, they don't talk about it with boys. And I have a son. So now talking to you, this thing of like, did your parents ask you like, what, ha- are you okay? I mean, as a mother, what would you have wanted your parents to do to help you? Exactly that. Are you okay? What's going on? But you know, this was the seventies. It was the yeah. early seventies. And you know, my, my parents were doing their thing, man. We didn't, we didn't talk about mental health back then. You no, know? Like, they just started talking was, about mental health. They didn't in the eighties and right. the nineties either. <laughs> yeah. And you know, my parents were just like, Oh, he's just a weird kid. You know, and that was it. No, so would you I, say if like any parents are listening, if there's a dramatic change in your child's behavior that to like notice that would that would that the advice you would give to parents? Absolutely. Please, please, please find a safe way to ask your child what's going on. You know, I'm not a parent, so I can't give parental advice. But, you know, I was a kid. I was a screwed up kid, man. And if someone had come to me and said, Hey, are you okay? I, I, you know, if I felt safe with that person, I would have opened up, Mm. you know, but I, that, and I was longing for that. It's funny. I, you know, I, I, um, I went through a health scare last year and it was, it was pretty dark for a while. And, um, you know, I was looking at my own mortality and, and all I wanted was someone to come and sit on my bed and just say, are you all right? Mm. Are you all right? And, and, I, and I didn't have that. And I can relate that back to my childhood. It was like, wow, here we are in that same place, you know, in that exact same place and just wanting someone to reach out. 
but you know, as an adult, knowing that I can ask for help, you know, it's, that's, that's my job. You right. know, I need to let people know how I'm feeling. I've got to tell them, Hey, I'm not doing so good here. You know, I have a responsibility as an adult to let someone know that I'm not feeling good. But as a kid, you know, you don't know that you don't know that yeah. I should have gone to somebody and said, Hey, guess what those guys did to me? You know? I know, but you're a child. You don't know. Your brain cannot can even compute what's happening. I did tell my son, and we have been telling our son, you know, when taking a bath, like, no one's allowed to touch this part of you. Only you are. You know, we try to, like, already start talking to him about, like, this is your private part. Um, I don't know why I'm talking. purpose. Yeah, like, that's. I, that's like what I try to instill in my son, but I do want to go back to you keeping the secret for all these years. Who do you think it benefited and who do you think it harmed? By me keeping the secret, it definitely benefited them. They were in the clear. They got away with it. Right. It hurt me. I, I covered for them. They did bad to me and I covered for them out of fear. Right. Do you think it also benefited your parents because they didn't have to deal with the reality? Like you covered that for them too? Oh, ab- absolutely. But you know, my parents probably would have just blown it off. You know, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm. You don't know wrong, that though. You could be wrong. I could be. All right. Okay. <laughs> Easy. Um, <laughs> but I just, I, I don't see that there would have been any good that would have come out of it if I had gone to my parents, certainly not my dad. I mean, forget that. That would have never happened. But, you know, I don't think my mom was well enough equipped equipped to handle some sort of trauma like that. I don't know. I could be wrong. It's, you know, it's all hypothetical, I guess, at this point. Well, and here's my last question for you. How are you moving forward in the future to protect yourself from this trauma? From this trauma, um, I have, like I said, um, I've done a lot of therapy on it. And I, you know, I know that there are bad people in the world that do bad things. And when that happens, okay, so first, it's my job to protect myself, but it's my job to let people know when they've crossed my boundaries. Mm-hmm. That's my responsibility. If I'm uncomfortable by something you've done, I need to let you know so that you don't do it again. Now, if you do it again, it's on you, man. And there's going to be a consequence. Not saying I'm going to knock the crap out of somebody, but no, there is going to be a consequence because I brought this up once before. Yeah. And I agree with that. I mean, once you set your boundaries and you make them, this is my boundary, do not cross it. And saying something, an action, anything, if that person does it again, they're usually gone. Like I don't have time for someone that doesn't respect me and my boundaries. Yeah. And don't make a threat that you're not willing to back up. You know, if it's, I'm going to cut you out of my life. If you do it again, well, you better be damn well ready to cut that person out of your life. Oh yeah. I agree. You or know? the cycle is just going to keep happening. And, and get, get even worse. And then I do want to ask you one more question. What advice would you give someone that's still keeping this secret that hasn't talked to a therapist or done work on themselves like you have? Um, I, I would say well, if you don't, if you if you're not into therapy, I, I can't push people into therapy. But I got to say, therapy has been life changing for me, and to have a safe place where I can just tell someone how I feel 
has been one of the best things I've ever discovered. Oh. You know, getting the feelings out and knowing that I'm not bad for, for having these feelings. Yeah. It's like we as human beings have really screwed up feelings, right? And, we, and then we're afraid to talk about it because we don't want to be judged. You know, well, they'll think I'm crazy or, you know, whatever. You know, therapy is a place to get that out. So, but if you don't have a therapist, you know, find one person that you really, really trust and just, you know, let it out. Just like I've been carrying something for so long and you don't even have to attach the emotion to it anymore. You can just say, I have been carrying something for so long and I don't want to carry it anymore. Can I unload it on you? Can, please, can I just dump this right now and, you know, and dump it on them and move forward? Yeah, because I always said, and I wanted to hit the therapy thing. I never thought I deserved therapy. Like it was too expensive or it, it was like too selfish or self-involved. Yeah. And once I yep. start, right? You're like, I. it's like getting a massage or a facial. You're like, oh, I don't <sighs> deserve that. It's too expensive. That hours, like a hundred, whatever, if you're, especially yep. if you don't have good insurance. But then as soon as I started going, it felt like a massage for my soul. And it was mm -hmm. that one hour in the week where I could say whatever I wanted and there was no consequences and someone to just listen and help you with it. Yeah. It's not a luxury. It's not a luxury. Yeah, but it feels a, like it. I mean, other people uh, out no. there has to agree with me. It feels like when you don't grow up in a family of self-help, it feels like a luxury, but it shouldn't be. <laughs> right. I know. And I do. Sometimes I still feel the same way about a yeah. massage. It's like, I know that the massage is good for me, but you know, I feel like I'm pampering myself. Oh, I shouldn't do this. Oh, no. Bullshit. Yeah. I call it. Yeah. So go to therapy, <laughs> go to therapy, go to therapy, man. You can go to therapy and say, okay, today I hate my spouse. I probably won't hate them tomorrow, but right now I really hate my spouse. And then you just dump it and leave it right there. And you go back home and you give your spouse a kiss and a hug. Exactly. It's awesome. It's well, awesome. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your secret and being so open and vulnerable. Okay. But don't tell anybody. Okay. Okay. I won't. It will be our secret. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> if you want to be on the show, please email me at secretlifepodcast at iCloud.com. Until next time. Thanks again for listening to the show. Please subscribe, rate, share, or send me a note at secretlifepodcast.com. And if you like to check out my book, head over to secretlifenovel.com or Amazon to pick up a copy for yourself or someone you love. Thanks again. See you soon. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.